0: Let me ask you a question this morning. What is Good Friday all about? I don't mean the day itself, mind you, the holiday. I don't mean the hot cross bonds or the fish, but the significance, the meaning of the day. Why is it memorialized? Now you say that's easy, I know why we have good Friday. It's to commemorate the death of Christ. The day Christ died, and that's exactly my point. That's why I'm asking, what does the death of Christ mean to you? Why is it so significant? How should we respond to the death of Christ? Why should we remember that he died for us? How should we respond? Is it sacrilegious to go to the beach today in commemoration of Good Friday? To go fishing, to go to Miami, to go shopping? Is that sacrilegious on this day? Is that what Christ's death is all about? To give us an opportunity to do what we want? Now, you would say, I'm sure, of course not. That's not the reason for the day. But yet, you must admit, many of us behave as though that is, in fact What we should do, or it's all right to do, or it's no problem to do it. They just simply disregard the significance of the day and do what they want to do because the day affords them that opportunity. Is that wrong? Not necessarily. It all depends upon what you really think about the day itself rather than what you think about what it signifies. Because remember, Paul teaches that one day is not more important than another, no matter what significance that day may have to others. What matters is that you're treating the event or person signified by that day the way scripture demands every day of our life in other words we just shouldn't be doing it one day of the year we should be doing it all the time now having said that however such as today good friday it does afford us the opportunity of focusing upon the event that it signifies it's supposed to signify the same is true with Christmas and Resurrection Day and even our birthday. Should I be happy that I was born only on that day every year or should I be happy that I was born every day of the year? I'm sure some of you say well I'm not sure I'm even happy that you were born. Should I be only glad and happy about the birth of Christ on December the 25th? Or should I be happy and glad about it every day of the year? The answer is is obvious. We should be glad and happy about it every day of the year. But yet, an anniversary gives us the opportunity to reflect more than we often do upon the particular event in a special And a more meaningful way. That's why I love Good Friday. And I love Resurrection Day. That's why I thank God, not only for every Friday then, but especially for Good Friday. It gives me the opportunity to think a little more. To reflect a little longer. On why Christ died on the cross. Was his death Necessary? What does his death really mean? And that's what we're going to do today. We're going to reflect upon the death of Jesus Christ. What we're supposed to do on Good Friday. And believe it or not, it seems that the Lord's Supper was instituted for that purpose. The Lord's Supper is designed for what? To remember him in his death. Therefore, what greater opportunity, privilege, than Good Friday to remember the Lord through the observance of the Lord's Supper. So we thank you for coming today. We are going to reflect, we are going to remember Jesus Christ, the one who died on that first Good Friday. And so this is really a time of worship, and I want you to understand that, because if it's anything that we as God's people should be engaged in, it's the worship of the triune God. And so I'm going to ask the men who are serving to come forward at this time. The elements will be distributed, and I'm going to ask you to hold them a little longer than you normally do until you are directed to take part in them. So please, men, would you come forward at this time? Now, while the elements are being distributed, I want you to take the time to obey the Apostle's instructions. And his instructions were what? To examine yourself. And I want you to ask the Holy Spirit to bring to mind any sin that needs to be confessed and turned away from at this time. Confess it. To the Lord. Then accept his promise as true. If we confess our sins. He's faithful and just to forgive us. And to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This is a time of worship. And as we come before a holy God. We have to be sure that we are. In the right condition. And he gives us that opportunity. To confess. So he can cleanse Now, if you do not know Jesus Christ as your Savior, I invite you and I encourage you to place your faith in him right now. Simply acknowledge that you are a sinner, deserving of God's eternal punishment. And that you now believe that Jesus, God's divine son, died in your place on Calvary's cross. That he died to pay the penalty for your sin. Acknowledge that right now as being true to you and that as a result of that you are relying upon his death and resurrection alone as the basis for your salvation. If you do that with conviction and integrity, not only will you become a child of God, but you'll also now be qualified to partake of the Lord's Supper, which is actually a symbolic action that you are in fact. Trusting in his death and resurrection for your salvation. Now, if you decide not to do that, to make that decision at this time, and we hope that you don't, but if you decide not to accept Christ, I lovingly but strongly advise that you simply allow the elements to pass you by. Because partaking of the emblems, as I said, is an outward Symbolic act that you have received Jesus Christ as your Savior. Let us then do as Jesus commanded and remember him in his death on this Good Friday.
1: Behold the Lamb. Behold the Lamb. For sinners crucified. For sinners crucified. I lie, I crowd thee now, thine shall be.
2: Reflect now upon the words of the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23 through 26. Let's repeat them together. The words are on the screen. For I received from the Lord.
3: Remember our Lord this morning.
1: Remember these singing Remember.
0: puts a lot of emphasis on remembering what he's done. In the Old Testament, for instance, when any great battle was won, stones were set up. Ebenezer. To remember what God has done. When he delivered the children from Egypt, he instituted the Passover so they would remember that he delivered them with his strong strong right hand. When he crossed the Jordan, they set up stones to remember. And throughout the Old Testament, God had set up certain things for his people to remember what he's done. Jesus Christ continues that emphasis when we come to the Lord's Supper. And so we could say, in a very real sense, that the Lord's Supper is designed by God to help us to remember, to remember the meaning and significance of what happened on Good Friday. They are both to help us to remember and to proclaim the death of Jesus Christ, the Lord's Supper, and Good Friday. It's not his birth, it's not even his life that we are to remember, but his death. His death as portrayed in the breaking of bread and the outpouring of the wine, both speaks of a violent, cruel death. Yet God says... Remember, remember, remember to proclaim my death. Consider his body that the bread speaks of. Let's remember his body. His body was a specially prepared body. A body prepared by God himself. Prepared to be a body for a special, unique sacrifice. That's why he wants us to remember his body. Reflect again upon the words of Hebrews chapter 10 beginning at verse 4. It is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Therefore, because of that impossibility. When he, Jesus, comes into the world, he says, Sacrifice and offering you have not desired, but a body you have prepared for me. Remember my body. Remember this specially prepared body. In whole burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, you've taken no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come, in the scroll of the book it is written of me, to do your will, O God. That's Jesus speaking. After saying the above, sacrifices and offerings, and whole burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, you have not desired, nor have you taken pleasure in them, which are offered according to the law. In other words, everything that was prescribed by the law, Did not bring any joy to God's heart. Even when they were done. Amazing. Then he said. Behold. I have come. To do your will. To do your will. In this specially prepared body. He takes away the first covenant. In order to establish the second. By this will. The will of God. We have been sanctified. Set apart. Notice now. Through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ. Once for all. What is the Lord's Supper all about? For us to remember. His body given to us. In death. That's what this day is all about. To remember his body. Every priest. Standing daily ministering and offering time after time. The same sacrifices. Which can never take away sins. Impossible. But he. This is what Good Friday is all about. Jesus Christ, having offered one sacrifice for sin for all time in this specially prepared body, sat down at the right hand of God. The work is finished. Waiting from that time onward until his enemies be made a footstool for his feet. Notice now. And this is what we are to remember on Good Friday. For by one offering, he has perfected for all time those who are sanctified. That's what we're here today to do, to remember. To remember Jesus and his once and for all offering in this special body. Note carefully what the text says. The blood of animals did not qualify to take away sins forever. In other words, to remove the power and the penalty for sin for good. Never to have them to bother the sin again. Animals couldn't do that. A special, unique kind of blood in a special, unique kind of body had to be specially prepared by God the Father. That's why he said, remember my body. The blood, of course, speaks of a sinless, spotless life. Because as the prophet says, the life is in the blood. And the kind of life necessary to put away the power and penalty of sin forever was a sinless, spotless, absolutely holy one. And that kind of life could only be lived in a special, unique kind of body. And that's what we commanded to remember. To bring back to our minds a past event as though that event is happening right now. That's the idea. To bring back to our minds a past event as though that event is happening right now. And so God, through the agency of his Holy Spirit, chose a young virgin woman bypassing all natural means of procreation and the spirit of God implanted within her womb the long promised seed of the woman of whom the angel said in Luke 135 the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the most high will overshadow you for that reason the holy offspring shall be called the Son of God." A special, unique body was prepared in a special, unique womb set apart by God himself. Friends listen, we have to remember today that Jesus was born to be a sacrifice. He was born to be a sacrifice, meaning God the Father's holy and divine specification. Only he, God, could provide what he himself has demanded. And that's why he's asked us to remember. Remember his body prepared and given for you on the cross of Calvary. And he has been, throughout these years, extending an arm of love. Compassion and saying, come, come to the cross. No matter what your sin may be, leave it at the cross. Because on that cross, a special person in a special body was crucified for you. What happened on the cross on that first Good Friday to the body of the Lord Jesus Christ that He's asked us to remember? What happened to his body? Consider this. A crown of thorns, one to one and a half inches in length, was crushed upon his head. It was not simply placed upon his head but forcibly and viciously pushed into his skull and brow. That's the head of the body of Christ. His cheeks were punched with the fists of burly soldiers, black and blue. His beard was pulled from his roots, and he said, I hid not my face from shame and spitting. That's the head of Jesus Christ. The face of Jesus Christ. His shoulders were bruised and scarred by the rough, heavy, wooden cross. And the lacerations from the scourgings of the steel-tipped whip. That's the body. The flesh of his back was ripped and torn with the pieces of bone and metal that studded the whip by which he was brutally scourged. And he said... I gave my back to the smiters. That's the back of the body that we are to remember. His side was pierced through and opened with a soldier's pier. His hands and his feet were pierced with large iron spikes. And so he says, they pierced my hands and my feet. That's the body specially prepared to be a special sacrifice for sin once and for all. This is why he could say in that upper room, as he inaugurated, inaugurated this feast of remembrance that we are re- taking part in today, and when he took the bread and he broke the bread, and he said, Remember, this is my body given for you. What are we to do on Good Friday? Remember, remember the body that was given for us. This is what Good Friday is all about. To remember the death of Christ. He asked us to remember that he gave his body for us as a sacrifice. Remember his body. He did it because he loved you and he loved me. the word of God. Therefore, brethren, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he inaugurated for us through the veil, that's his flesh. The veil was his flesh incarnate. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. How could this happen? Because the veil was broken. His flesh, his body was given for us. And So we invite you to break bread together.
2: As the Lord Jesus did on that first night when he instituted the Lord's Supper, as his disciples remembered him. This morning, as we remember him in his death and his suffering, we remember Calvary. Pause with me now as we return thanks for the bread. Father, again, for this day, this Good Friday, Uh, So many years ago, when you hung on a cruel Roman cross at Golgotha, and there you paid the penalty for our sins, and salvation was provided to each one who would receive. So rich, so full, and so free. We remember you, and we remember Calvary, and what was accomplished at Calvary. It's all because of Calvary that we meet in a manner such as this today. And we give you thanks for this bread, the emblem of your body, which was battered, which was bruised, which was marred. And we just say thank you for the bread as we partake now in remembrance of you in Jesus' name. Let's partake of the bread together.
0: In the same way, Jesus took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. In Matthew 26 it says, And when he had taken a cup and given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. For this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for forgiveness of sins. He wants us to remember his blood shed for us. His blood was poured out for us, the scripture says. This, like the body broken or given, speaks of a violent death. The body given, the blood poured out. In Jesus' case, it speaks of a perfect, holy, spotless life. Because life is in the blood. And this life was given for, or in exchange for, or in place of, a sinner's life. Now we have to be careful here, folks, that we do not place undue miraculous or magical powers in the makeup of the blood of Christ itself as a fluid or as a liquid. The blood speaks of life. It is a metaphor, a symbol or autonomy for life. In Jesus' case, it represents a spotless, holy, sinless life lived out in a body prepared specifically for that purpose. Here as mentioned in the Lord's Supper, it speaks of the violent, unjustifiable way in which his life was taken by man, his blood was shed by man. But of course, that's only half the story, that's the way Man sees it. The other half as God sees this. The rest of the story as it were. He sees it as it was planned. It was a life that Christ freely gave. It wasn't taken from him. Man did not take it. Although they and Satan of course taught that they did. He gave it. Actually we could also say that the father gave him. The Son as a sacrifice. The Holy Spirit serving as a divine priest did the actual sacrificing. The word is clear. Let's look at the word for a few moments. Isaiah 53, beginning at verse 4. Let's read it together. It's on the screen. And remember now, we're doing this to remember. To remember. To remember his body. To remember his bo- That's what Good Friday is all about. Let's read it together. Surely... Our griefs he himself bore, and our sorrows he carried. Yet we ourselves esteemed him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastening of our well-being fell upon him, and by his scourging we are healed. All of us, like sheep, have gone astray, each of us has turned to his own way, but the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to slaughter, and like a sheep that is silent before its shearers, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away, as for his generation Who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living for the transgression of my people to whom the stroke was due? His grave was assigned with wicked men, yet he was with the rich man in his death, because he had done no violence, nor was there any deceit in his mouth. But the Lord was pleased to crush him, putting him to grief,
3: if he would render
0: himself as a guilt offering. He will see his offspring, he will prolong his days, and the good pleasure of the Lord will prosper in his hand. That's what we are to remember. I want you to notice in this passage, it was God the Father who smote, who afflicted, who crushed, who pierced Jesus through for our iniquities. It was the father's good pleasure, his perfect will to do so. It was the Father who smote him, who afflicted him, who crushed him, who pierced him through. It was his good will. Look at this passage, Romans 8:32. "He, that's God the Father, who did not spare his own son, but delivered him over for us all. How will he not also with him freely give us all things? Oh, beloved, look at that verse. That's the word of God speaking to us. This is one of the most powerful passages of Scripture in the Word of God. God the Father did not spare His own Son; spare him from what? Spare him from what was involved in becoming a sacrificing, becoming a sacrifice. For your sin and for my sin. He didn't spare him from that. But he gave him up. He delivered him up. This is a sacrificial term. It speaks of one who gives an offering. God did not spare his son for the sinner. But gave him up as an offering. The father did not withhold anything From what was involved in offering his son as a sacrifice for our sin. A blood sacrifice. An atoning sacrifice. It was the father who did it. Remember, he did spare Abram's son. But he did not spare his own son. He delivered up his own son as a sacrifice for you and for me. Oh, how he loved you. Oh, how he loves me. He stopped Abraham from plunging the sacrificial knife into the bosom of his only son and provided a ram caught in a thicket. He spared Isaac. But when it came to his own son, his unique son, he did not spare him. He went all the way with the sacrifice. Jesus was caught in the thicket of God's will and his own love for the sinner, he was not spared. The sacrificial knife was plunged into the breast of the son of his bosom. And so when we ask who did this, was it the Jews? Was it the Romans? Was it you? Was it me? The scripture gives us an amazing, awesome answer. It was the Father. It was the triune God. It tells us that the events of Good Friday were planned in the council of the eternal Godhead. Listen to Acts chapter 2 verse 22. Men of Israel, listen to these words. Jesus the Nazarene, a man attested to you by God with miracles and wonders and signs which God performed through him, In your midst, just as you yourselves know, listen now, to these amazing, awesome words. This man, delivered up, notice now, same words, delivered up by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God, offered up, sacrificed by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God. You, though... Nailed him to a cross by the hands of godless men, and you put him to death. But it was God who planned it. But the word also tells us that it was the father who gave or offered up his son. We saw that in Romans 8.32. Could we see it in John 3.16? For God so loved the world that he gave up. He gave up his only begotten son. It's sacrificial. His only begotten Son, His unique one-of-a-kind Son, no one else like Him. He gave the one whom He tore the heavens apart when He was on earth in order to declare to the world, This is my Son, in whom I am well pleased. But yet yeah, He killed them. That's what we ought to remember on Good Friday. But the Scripture Also tell us that it was God the Son who voluntarily gave himself for us. Not only God gave, but the Son. Meaning that he submitted to his Father's will to be a sacrifice, an atonement for the sin of the world. Listen to his words of submission. Through the writer of the book of Hebrews that we read earlier, I remind you of again. When he came into the world, he says, sacrifice and offering. You have not desired, but a body you have prepared for me. In whole burnt offerings and sacrifice of sin, you have taken no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come. It is written in the scroll of the book where we read it in Isaiah. To do your will, O God. It was the will of God, the good pleasure of God, to smite him, to crush him. And Jesus came into the world to do his Father's will. After saying this, sacrifices and offerings and whole burnt offerings... And sacrifices to a sin you have not desired, nor have you taken pleasure in. Then he said, Behold, I have come to do your will. I have come to do your will. That's Jesus speaking. He speaks also in John chapter 10 verse 15. The Father knows me and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. That's what we ought to remember on Good Friday. And in verse 17. For this reason the Father loves me. Because I lay down my life that I might take it up again. In verse 18, no one has taken my life away from me, but I lay it down on my own initiative. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This commandment I receive from my Father. Do you see the submission to the Father's will? It comes to mind, Gethsemane, not my will, but thine be done. But then we have the involvement also of the Holy Spirit. In the sacrifice of Christ. Not only the Father who gave. Not only the Son who gave. But the Holy Spirit. Listen to the author again of Hebrews in chapter 9 verse 14. How much more will the blood of Christ. Who through, notice this now. Through the eternal Spirit. Offered himself up. Without blemish to God. Who is doing the offering up? Through the power of the Spirit of God. Notice, Jesus offered himself through the eternal spirit. One could say then that the Holy Spirit served as the sacrificing priest on Calvary. Please, please, please do not miss the divine drama that is being described and acted out here on this first good Friday. The entire Godhead is going about offering up a sacrifice for our sin. The triune God is involved in the most awesome, dramatic, significant act of worship ever enacted in the annals of human history. On that Good Friday. The Father is a sacrificer. The one giving or providing the sacrifice. The Son is the perfect, spotless, unblemished, holy sacrifice. The Holy Spirit is the sacrificing, the sacrificing priest. Now notice, unlike in the case of Abraham... The Father, I say again, did not stop the Holy Spirit from plunging a knife of death and judgment into the breast of his one and only Son, the Son of his bosom. Jesus died on that first Good Friday. That's what you ought to remember. Thus, it was God who crushed Jesus on the cross. It was God who smote Jesus on the cross. It was the triune God who killed Jesus Christ on the cross. That's what Good Friday is all about. That's the awesome concept. We are to remember. And to proclaim as we partake of these emblems today. Good Friday. That's what Jesus meant. when he said that his blood was poured out for us. Peter speaks of this. He says. Knowing that you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold. From your futile way of life inherited from your forefathers. But what? With the precious blood. Oh, friends, that's what Good Friday is all about, to remember the precious blood. As of a lamb, unblemished and spotless, the blood of Jesus Christ. Paul says in Ephesians 1.7, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our sins, according to the riches of his grace. John says in Revelation 1.5, Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead and the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loves us and released us from our sins, how? By his blood. So we could say with the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 10 verse 16, as we partake of the cup today, is not the cup of blessing which we bless assuring in the blood of Christ? Is not the bread which we break a in the body of Christ? Oh, let's remember. Let's remember his body. Let's remember. Let's remember his blood poured out for, for us as we break bread together.
3: Take of the cup. Let us bow as we return thanks. Our Father, how we thank you this morning as we remember that you gave your precious, well beloved Son, the Lamb of God, without blemish, without spot, who gave His life blood, that we might have new life. How we thank you this morning, and as we remember, we cannot stop from being thankful for the precious, wonderful Lamb of God. Let us take this cup as we drink today, let us remember.
0: And so, how we rejoice this Good Friday morning that we can take the cup of blessing and share in the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. What a privilege, what a joy. That's what Good Friday is all about. But remember now, he goes on to tell us that we are to, we, by doing this, we proclaim his death. That's a strong word, proclaim. It means to announce, to herald, to put in headlines. The death of Jesus Christ. We proclaim his death through this feast and through these emblems. We have done that already. You have, and you are, com- proclaiming the death of Jesus Christ. But there's still so much more to proclaim about his death on this Good Friday. Perhaps one vital fact is the fact that he died. He didn't die for himself, but he died for us. He d- didn't do what he did on the cross because of, what, because of what he did before the cross. But he did what he did on the cross because of what we did. The Father gave him up for us. He gave himself up for us. The Holy Spirit sacrificed him for our sin. Yet on the cross he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He cried this cry of the Spirit between the hours of 9 a.m. and 12 noon on Good Friday. A time of deep darkness. The Gospel of Matthew says, from the sixth hour darkness fell upon all the land until the ninth hour. Matthew says, when the sixth hour had come, darkness fell over the whole land until the ninth hour. Luke says, it was now about the sixth hour, and darkness fell over the whole land until the ninth hour. It was though that the God who said, let there be light, when Jesus Christ died on the cross said, let there be darkness. And he chases away the light that he himself has made. Why? 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 Is it because he does not want the world to see the punishment, the hell, that the triune God would execute upon one of their own members? Was this such a holy undertaking that no no human eye could see what would happen and live? Or was this such a horrible ordeal that a human could not comprehend its severity and, and still believe that God is a God of love? Why was this such darkness? We don't know. Really, But whatever the reason, only the triune God witnessed the terror of the Son on the cross on that first Good Friday, when he who knew no sin was made sin for us. It was only the triune God who saw what was happening when one of the members cried out, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken? Oh, look at what's happening on Good Friday. Now, please, let's be careful here. Do not even imagine that Jesus became a sinner on the cross. There's some false teaching going on today. They teach that he became a demon on the cross. He went to hell as a demonized, sinful person. That it was there in hell that Jesus was born again and he became a son of God after his resurrection as the first born again person. Now friends, don't you f- for a moment believe that heretical teaching? This is the proclamation of heresy, not the proclamation of the death of Christ. That's not what this supper signifies. No, my friends. Something More mysterious. Awesome was happening. Jesus Christ, the sinless, spotless, holy son of God, I say did not become a sinner on Calvary. He became the bearer of sin's penalty on our behalf. Judicially, legally speaking, God did indeed see us, the sinner in him who was a sinless one. But that is imputed or transferred guilt. It is not actual personal guilt. He bore the penalty for our guilt. He did not become guilty because he was infused with our sin. No, no, no. He became a bearer away of the penalty of our sin because God charged our sin to his account. Although he did not, in fact, sin himself, it is reversal. Of God imputing righteousness to us. God imputed our sin to him. When he judged him. Just as he imputed his righteousness to us when we receive him. Jesus no more became contaminated with our sin. As did the scapegoat in the Old Testament. Did not actually become contaminated with the people's sin. By the laying on of their hands upon his head by the priests. You see, my friends, that's what happened on the cross. And I want you to see the mystery of this. I want you to see the grandeur of the first Good Friday. I want you to see what really happened on the cross. We just cannot walk away from this and just forget it. This is one of the most momentous events in the history of the world. On that first Good Friday, between 9 and 12, on April the 3rd, 33 A.D., most people believe. God did that in the dark. Only heaven, not even hell, was exposed to what was going on. Jesus Christ bore or took away our sin, meaning that he removed forever the penalty that was due to us. He took our judgment away by bearing, experiencing, or receiving that judgment in his own body on the tree in those momentous hours, the Good Friday. And why did he do it? He did it to please the Father, to do his will. And he did. Friends, that's what Good Friday is all about. That's what Resurrection Day is all about. It is the dramatic, awesome validation that the Father was pleased with the sacrifice of the Son. We're talking about Friday. But Sunday's coming. But some say, no, no. Christ was actually made a sinner on the cross. That's why God turned his back on him. Oh, how we get erroneous teachings today and how we charge the character of God with things that he has no reason to be charged with. God turned his back on his only son. Amos tells us that God is too holy to look upon sin. And so say, some say that's why God turned Is back upon his son on the cross. That's why Jesus Christ cried out. My God. My God. Why hast thou forsaken me? Because God has turned his back on him. My friends. Think. Please. Think. Could God turn his back upon himself? Could the father abandon the son? Who was always in the bosom of the father? We've already established the fact that Jesus was not made a sinner on the cross. But was he abandoned by the Father? Did God the Father really forsake his Son on the cross? Did the Father turn his back on his Son? Let's look carefully at these texts that we quote so quickly and so casually to suggest that the Father did in fact turn his back upon his Son. Listen to the words of Matthew 27. Verse 46, and about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, saying, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani?" my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Mark records the same words. Now, as you all know, Jesus is quoting, and so he's fulfilling Psalm 22, the words of David. Specifically, verse 1, he's quoting here. In fact, we can actually say that he's quoting these verses in order to fulfill the prophecy. Listen carefully to this, friends. This is important for us to reflect on the character of God on this first Good Friday. Jesus is the great David. The greater David is literally reliving what David experienced in a lesser degree in his own life. The question is, therefore, did God forsake David in Psalm 22? Let's turn to the psalm. This psalm also proclaims the death of Jesus. Verse 1. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Far from my deliverance are the words of my groaning. There. See, I I told you so. God forsook David. Therefore, Jesus was also forsaken by God. See, the scripture validates that. Well, That's only verse 1. Let's continue. Let's go through the psalm and see the whole picture. The rest of the story. And look at David's plea. Verse 2. O my God, I cry by day, but thou dost not answer. Notice that. And by night I have no rest. But go down to verse 19. But thou, O Lord, be not far off. O thou, my help. Hasten to my assistance. He's still calling God my help. Deliver my soul from the sword. My only life from the power of the dog. Save me from the lion's mouth. Jesus is living this out also. Notice now, however, right in the midst of that prayer, we have these words. And from the horns of the wild oxen, what? Thou dost Answer me. Do you see that? We give the impression that God didn't answer David. God didn't answer Jesus. But the scripture says he did. David says he was heard. That God did hear and answer his prayer. He repeats this statement in verse 24 of Psalm 22. Notice. He as God has not despised nor abhorred the afflictions of the afflictions. That's David in the psalm and Christ in the New Testament. Neither, neither has he hidden his face from him. Do you see those words? Neither has he hidden his face from him. He didn't hide his face from David. He didn't hide his face from Jesus Christ. Notice what the text says. When he cried to him for help, he did what? He heard. So, it's too erroneous to say, God the Father did not answer the prayer of his Son on the cross. That's erroneous teaching. Notice David specifically says that God did not hide his face from him. Now in verse 1, he may have felt as though God had forsaken him. He might have felt that God had not heard his prayer. But the psalmist clear. God did hear his prayer. God did not forsake him. Can the same thing be said then of Jesus Christ on the cross? Most definitely so. That's why the psalm is repeated. The psalm depicts and foretells that experience. But more than that, we have a New Testament passage to confirm the fact that God did not abandon Christ on the cross. Here. Here the words of God. Hebrews chapter 5 verse 7. Please read it with me. In the days of his flesh, loud crying tears to the one able to save him from death. And he was heard. How can we say then that the father did not hear the prayer of Jesus when the word of God tells us that he did? Like David, God did not save him from the experience, but through the experience. That's what resurrection day is all about. Now, while we are going through this, both David and Jesus felt as though they were abandoned. But in actual fact, they were not. Both David and Jesus continued to trust God in spite of their sufferings. The very words of the cry of anguish shows that. He didn't say, oh God, oh God. He said, my God, my God. They still recognize and acknowledge the fact that God was their God. A God that they trusted. Was he abandoned? No. Listen again to the right of Hebrews. In Hebrews 12. Fixing our eyes on Jesus. The author and perfecter of faith. Who for the joy. Notice this now. Who for the joy set before him endured the cross. He knew what was the outcome. He knew that he wasn't going to stay there on Good Friday. He knew Sunday was coming. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Who for the joy set before him endured the cross. Despising the shame. Knowing about the joy. And he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who has endured such hostility for sinners against himself. So that you may not grow weary and lose heart. Friends, God did not abandon David. God did not abandon Jesus. And God will not abandon you. Jesus' faith in his Father enabled him to endure the suffering of the cross. Knowing that he would not abandon him. David knew this also. Listen again to the words of Paul. In Acts chapter 2 verse 29. Brethren, I may confidently say to you regarding the patriarch David. That he both died and was buried and his tomb is with us to this day. And so because he was a prophet and knew that God had sworn to him with an oath. To seat one of his descendants upon his throne. He looked ahead and spoke of the resurrection of the Christ. Notice now that he was neither abandoned to Hades nor Would his flesh suffer decay? God did not abandon Jesus Christ. No, my friends. Jesus was made a sin offering for us. He did not become a sinner for us. His Father did not abandon him on the cross. He was approved by his Father as the perfect sacrifice by submitting himself to his will. Listen carefully. Jesus' death on the cross... There's a holy, acceptable sacrifice because of the fact that he was holy, spotless, unblemished, and sinless. Would God turn his back upon a sacrifice that he himself had prepared? In the words of the Old Testament, the sacrifice of Jesus Christ ascended into the nostrils of God as a sweet-smelling savor. That's what Good Friday is all about. God the Father accepted Jesus Christ as our substitute, as our Savior. The resurrection is proof of the fact that God did not abandon his Son. But the big question now to you is this. God has accepted his sacrifice. The question is... Have you done so? Have you accepted the sacrifice that God himself has accepted for your sin? You can do that today, right now. Save Jesus Christ into your life. Please consider that as Anton sings for us these moments as we close.
1: Today,
3: knowing that Jesus has already done what is necessary to pay the price for man's sins. And if you're here today and have not yet trusted Him as your Savior, perhaps you want to do so today and come and talk to one of the pastors after the service to be led to saving knowledge of Jesus.
1: Just as I am without one plea, but That thy blood was shed for me.
3: Ready to forgive? He's ready to cleanse.
1: To the whose blood can.
0: Today we have talked about Good Friday, but Sunday's coming.
4: It's Friday. Jesus is praying. Peter's asleep. Judas is betraying. But Sunday's coming. It's Friday. Pilate's struggling. The council is conspiring. The crowd is vilified. They don't even know that Sunday's coming. It's Friday. The disciples are running like sheep without a shepherd. Mary's crying. Peter is denying, but they don't know that Sundays are coming. It's Friday. The Romans beat my Jesus. They robe him in scar. They crown him with thorns, but they don't know that Sunday's come. It's Friday. See Jesus walking to Calvary, his blood dripping, his body stumbling, and his spirit's burdened. But you see, it's only Friday. Sunday's come. It's Friday. The world's winning. People are sinning. And evil's grinning. It's right. The soldiers nailed my Savior's hands to the cross. They nailed my Savior's feet to the cross. And then they raised him up next to criminals. It's right. But let me tell you something. Sunday's. Coming. It's Friday. The disciples are questioning what has happened to their king. And the Pharisees are celebrating that their scheming has been achieved. But they don't know. It's only Friday. Sunday's coming. It's Friday. He's hanging on the cross, healing. Forsaken by his father, left alone and dying. Can nobody save him? Oh, it's Friday, but Sunday's coming. It's Friday, the earth trembles, the sky grows dark. My king yields his spirit. It's Friday, hope. Is lost. Death has won. Sin has conquered, and Satan's just a laughing. It's Friday. Jesus is buried. A soldier stands guard, and a rock is rolled into place. But it's Friday. It is only Friday, Sunday is a coming.